Welcome to Big Fiction Energy. Oh, hi there. Welcome back. The biggest fiction energy that you can uh, have... Legally. 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 (laughs) Without infringing on our title. It is a supplement, though, so it is not regulated by the FDA. Sweet. We get around a lot with that. Herbal. Herbal supplements. Always consult your doctor first before starting any kind of new regimen. I wouldn't with this one. I would just send it out, personally. Just send it. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to episode six. Thanks for sticking with us this long. This is chapter six, because that's how this podcast works. Uh, This chapter is called Sparring. Sparing. Sparingly yeah. use our supplement. Like yeah. the hey. top of the food pyramid. Right, just sprinkle. Vegetables what was it when we were kids? There, the, right? little, yeah. the little, the yeah. little um, circles and triangles were like fats and were like sugars, sugars and something. Salt. Yeah, salt and sugar. That's All what the it good was. Stuff that you get addicted to. Yeah. yeah. Sugar. What's that? Unless you take your recommended daily dose of big fiction energy. Yeah. Right. And then you won't have any room for any of that other stuff. Correct. You'll <laughs> yeah. be too. Full from its girth. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. It's a very girthy supplement. Oh man. Um, before we jump into chapter six, um, welcome once again. What's uh, your name? <laughs> I was just gonna do that. Oh. <laughs> We've got notes this time to help us remember. Um, so I'm Dan, the author, creator, mastermind, evil genius. I am Danny. I keep track of the details for the author, mastermind. Evil genius. Evil genius. Forgot that part. Yes, that's totally true. Yeah. Um, And I'm Tim. (laughs) Just, just Tim. Just barely. He's just happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, being episode six, chapter six. If this is the first one you're listening to, if you're jumping on at this point, go back to episode one. Uh, This is a like audio book podcast. So, if you're this is your first episode. Stop now. Go back to chapter one and listen to it from the beginning. You'll be glad you did because it won't make any sense, probably, yeah. otherwise. Actually, I did see in the comments um, from XX underscore Blood Angel Fire XX underscore that the correct uh, <laughs> listening order is to start with episode three, oh. to go then back to the second half of chapter two, then go to one, <laughs> then four, then five, then this episode. And then the first half of chapter two. Right. What is this? The Witcher, like, where you have to look up the order to read them in? Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, different timelines. <laughs> and it's like a, you're, we're Tarantinoing right now. Correct. If you watch it that way. We are not tipping right. um, waitresses. Oh, that's yes. such a good scene. And we also have, uh, you know, something about feet in every movie. One of my students told me he yeah. has a foot fetish. Yeah, yeah. he has a big yes. foot thing. I've never yeah. noticed that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Big time foot fetish. I'll go back and watch all the Quentin yeah. Tarantino movies, except yeah, for Inglorious Bastards. I'm sure if I don't like you that were one. to go on the the World Wide Web. Oh, the internets. Um, you could probably just find a a comp- compilation. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to Chapter Six. We'll be back with you after we listen. Chapter Six: Sparring. This stuff is never coming off. Lainey complained as she tried scrubbing the gray-green pigment from her exposed arms. The two had found a small stream down a short hill into the forest just outside the shanty town they were busy trying to ditch their disguises. Lainey had stripped all the rags and strange armor off and looked mostly like the young woman she was. Brutus had removed the more garish pieces of kit he was wearing to look more like a bounty hunter, but kept some of the practical armor that Jork had given him. Lainey was scrubbing her arm with a rough stone, trying to get her olive skin to show through the paint. 
Just keep working at it. It might take a few days to wear it off, but we'll be busy, so probably not too long. Days? I can't be green for days. Well, why does it matter? You heard, Cass. We have a job already. I just can't, okay? This is crazy. People might really think I'm an ogre. Nah, you weren't scary enough. We're just lucky no one got a good look at you. Cass saw right through it. Ugh, you're right. As usual. How does she do that? Well, people out here are much more observant than those in the city. They have to be to survive. Cass seems like good people. I'm willing to try out the mercenary thing. Guard the van, as she said. If you are, seems like our best bet. Lainey didn't answer for a minute. She kept scrubbing her arm. Brutus was just about to repeat himself, and Lainey blurted out, Yes, let's do it. She seems like our best bet. She? Brutus raised his eyebrows in surprise. I mean they. The caravan. It's a good plan. Shut up. Lainey turned away from Brutus, but not before he saw her cheeks flush red. What should I do with this stuff? Lainey asked quickly, changing the subject. She wove her arm around... She wove her arm over all the parts of her discarded costume. Uh, we don't need it anymore, but shouldn't just leave it here. I'll gather it up and take it to Marcus, see if I can't get some coin for it. Okay, I'll keep scrubbing my skin off. Good luck. I'll be back soon. Oh, see if you can trade for food. I'm starving. Yes, your majesty. Brutus stomped back up the hill to the market. Lainey sat at the edge of the stream and scrubbed her arm. She thought about how things were moving so fast. At this time yesterday, she was sitting in her classroom. Now she's by a stream. On a rock. Surrounded by... What were they again? Trees? Lainey stood and looked over at the tree closest to her. It was an amazing thing. In Gaul, there were hardly any living things besides the citizens. Lainey had never seen a tree before in her life. She tentatively held out a hand and touched the bark. It was rough, but not hard. She felt it for a minute. Something told her to close her eyes, and she did, feeling the tree on her palm. The light breeze in her short hair. She felt something on her hand. A pulsing. She could feel the tree was a living thing. Not like her or Brutus, altogether different, but alive. She opened her eyes and took her hand away. The tips of her index and middle finger were sticky with something from the tree. Lainey smiled and shrugged, and sat back on the rock and continued scrubbing away the paint, happier than she had been in a long time. Ah, good. I was worried you wouldn't show. The girl held up her arms in greeting, then turned to show Lainey and Brutus what they were working with. Lainey was quietly impressed with the setup the caravan had. The main vehicle was a floating barge that hovered about half a meter off the ground. The vehicle itself was massive, at least five meters long and three high. Its walls were made of navy-colored material Lainey couldn't place. The back of the vehicle had a sealed door, all the walls solid. Along the sides were scrolled intricate gold filigree in a delightful pattern, making the whole thing look out of place in the forest. The floating box was attached to a team of four jorays, large beasts of burden with huge horns that looped around the creature's shoulders and back out, great for protection and fighting. The jorays were quietly munching on something in feed sacks, and Brutus pet one and touched their horns as they passed. Lainey almost made a joke about the jorays being relatives of Brutus's, but she held it back, seeing how in awe he was. This is our pride and joy, Cass was saying as they walked along the van. And that's just what she's called, the Pride and Joy. It's a bit of an older model, but the float stones still work, though we don't know how much longer until we'll need to pay for replacement spells. Spells? Yeah, like magic. Not like real magic, though. More like we can't quite explain it, so we call it magic. As long as the van makes it to Frank, we should be all right to get some spells cast and keep it floating for a while longer. This trip will more than pay for it. Lainey looked back at Brutus with her eyebrows raised this time. She slowed her pace to walk beside Brutus. She seems pretty open with the info, don't you think? Yeah, guess she feels pretty comfortable with us already. She's a good bet. Lainey scowled at him, but the Minotaur noticed her cheeks flushed red again, and she quickened her pace to rejoin Cass. 
Brutus looked at Lanny's reaction, then his eyes flicked to Cass, then back to Lanny. He smiled and nodded his head knowingly. These other carts, they ain't so fancy. They're what'll slow us down, Lanny. Cass led the group past a few smaller carriages with large rubber wheels, each drawn by two more jories. These carts were half the size of the Pride and Joy and clearly constructed of wood, with canvas covering the tops and rear. These belong to others that are pooling resources to make the trip safer. Ah, here's Da. You can call him Dasta, though. Cass pointed to a thin man. He was small, though not as small as Lanny or even Cass. He had the same dark features as his daughter and the same unruly hair. His dark arms were bare and knotted with muscle. When Dasta turned to Cass and her guests, he smiled, showing bright white teeth that shone white as polished pearls in a short black beard. Ah, so you made it. Cass was talking you up, but I didn't think you'd actually show. Boy, you are a big lug. Dasta stepped forward and slapped Brutus on the chest playfully. And my lady from the city. Dasta turned to Lanny, took her hand, and kissed the back of it. Lanny hardly had time to react to the strange man and let it happen. Cass told me you were easy on the eyes, but I never- Da! Cass's face flushed. I said she looked like she was in good shape. Could be a good help. I'm going to check on the pride. Cass hurried away. Lanny looked at Brutus again, who was smiling. She wasn't sure what was going on, but everyone was acting strange around her suddenly, and she was getting a bit uncomfortable. Apologies. I jest. She is just so much fun to tease. She did say she thought you two would be a help, though. Tell me, do you know how to fight? Brutus nodded. I have attained the rank of Harbinger in the art of Kuri. I have trained Lanny since she was four. Kuri, huh? That's an old art. Usually only primals still know it. I hope I won't get a chance for you to use it. You'll have to show me some night. I'd be honored to express my art. Lanny is quite accomplished as well. She is obviously much more nimble than I, so she has surpassed me in some areas. I have? Lanny beamed at Brutus. Brutus merely nodded, but kept his eyes on Dasta. Unfortunately, she does not hold a rank. She was never able to test. As you said, only primals typically practice this art. Personally, I would appoint her at waxing rank, one below Harbinger. Lanny couldn't hide her smile as Dasta mused over what Brutus said. Lanny had no idea Brutus held her abilities in such high regard. She found it unfortunate, but always understood why she couldn't be formally tested. Her parents would never allow such a thing. Being inhuman got in the way of quite a bit. Good, good. Hmm. Well, I'm not in the mood to test your boosts. You look like you're telling truth, though. I'll have you positioned on the north side of the Pride. You are to keep anything and everything that isn't traveling already with us away from the van. You got it. We will do as you ask. Great! Then we have an agreement. It should take us two weeks to travel to Frank. Cass says that you're then going on to Dran. That should only take you a few more days. I'll pay you your standard fare when we arrive. And a bonus for any skirmishes we come out on top from. Dasta shot his hand out, and Brutus took it and shook it heartily. Dasta then extended his hand towards Lanny, and she looked at it. Plus 20%. Excuse me? Dasta took his hand away, slowly looking Lanny up and down. Well, Brutus is a rare sight. A minotaur his size, even in the city or the dregs, I've never seen a minotaur like him. He is as big as a full-grown orc. Also, he's well-trained in an exotic martial art, as am I. Plus, I'm way stronger and tougher than I look. Brutus nodded at that. We're worth way more than two typical mercenaries, so we deserve 20% more. Dasta looked at Lanny for a long time. Lanny started to think she had gone too far. Dasta looked at Brutus, sizing him up. Sizing him up. Show me! Now! Dasta said to the two of them. Brutus immediately drew and hefted his shock baton, but did not activate it, to Lanny's relief. Lanny leapt back, getting into a low stance and drawing her long-bladed tanto. Dasta stepped back as the others began forming a circle around the two to watch. Lanny studied Brutus, trying to guess how he was going to strike first. 
Kuri was a very aggressive martial art designed to get into your opponent's guard and overwhelm them with attacks. As an aggressive person already, and having a very short reach, this style was a natural fit for Lanny. Brutus struck first, a heavy overhand swing that Lanny was easily able to dodge. Her step to the left was what Brutus expected, and his huge fist connected hard with Lanny's jaw, knocking her to the ground. She recovered immediately, kicking herself off the ground, spinning her legs in a wild arc to keep Brutus at bay until she regained her feet. Lanny used the opportunity and momentum to launch herself at Brutus, getting close enough to render his weapon nearly useless. She spun behind the Minotaur, leapt up and butted the side of his head with her dagger hilt. Against a human, the strike would have staggered her opponent, for Brutus had a thick skull and the hit barely registered. He swung his arms in a wide arc, forcing Lanny to duck. Brutus kept up the barrage of punches of an elbow, keeping his baton out of the fight for now. A direct hit from the weapon, even deactivated, could seriously hurt Lanny. Lanny staggered back, forcing Brutus's blows away from her body and dodging the others. She knew from countless sparring sessions that Brutus could only keep this up for so long, a sheen of sweat already forming on his bull head. The few times Lanny saw Brutus actually fight ended quickly and decisively, with Brutus dispatching his opponent with one or two powerful blows from his baton. Lanny knew she couldn't take another hit like she took to her jaw. She had been scolding herself for her misstep from the beginning. She could wait it out, though, let Brutus wear himself out, and then finish him off, claiming victory. Brutus caught Lanny off guard again, and she danced away from his swings, setting up a guarded position a few meters away. The big primal knew Lanny was what Lanny was doing. It wasn't like she hadn't done it before. She was much faster than him, and he knew she had hard to hit. She would get a few hits back, but even as strong as she was, it would take a lot to bring him down. As he caught his breath, he wondered which way the fight should go. Obviously, Dastin needed to be impressed, but would he be surprised at all if the large minotaur won against a small young girl? At the same time, was Dasta learned in the martial arts enough to know if one fighter was letting the other win? Brutus made up his mind. Lainey waited, glad for a chance to catch her breath as well. What was Brutus doing besides getting some oxygen? He must be trying to decide which way this fight should go, she thought. She reversed her grip on the dagger, ready to end it if needs be. She had devised a hard counter to one of Brutus's favorite attacks, but had yet to a chance to attempt it. She knew it was risky, but if it worked, she would finally best him in a sparring match, a feat she had yet been able to accomplish. If it didn't work, though, she knew she would feel it for a week. Brutus broke Lainey's revere with a stomp and a snort. While not a Kuri technique, she knew it was more of a minotaur instinct to let an opponent know the fight was back on. Brutus lowered his head and charged at the girl. His long, curved horns made this much more frightening tactic than it should be, as his body was designed to deliver this blow with an amazing amount of power. Lainey knew she could dodge out of the way easy enough, but Brutus's horns were far from his only weapons. She had tried dodging in the past, and she always ended flat on her back, with a huge bruise on an arm or shoulder from his baton flashing out at the last second. She knew it was time to try her idea. She stood her ground as Brutus trampled a few yards between them. Even in the short space between them, his powerful legs could build up an astonishing amount of speed and momentum. Lainey waited until Brutus was just about on top of her. His eyes went wide, sensing what she was about to try. Lenny leapt at the last possible second, grabbing onto Brutus's left horn, using his size and momentum against him. She swung up, taking advantage of her small stature, and landed on Brutus's back. She yanked on his horn to throw him off balance, and he fell to the ground hard, his impetus impossible to stop. The crowd around them had to quickly scuttle out of the way or be gored by Brutus's horns. Lenny stayed on his back and flicked her dagger down to Brutus's throat. She had no intention of actually cutting him, but it symbolized her victory, showing that she had all the power currently in the fight. Lainey and Brutus were breathing hard when they came when they heard the slow clap. Very well done. I'll give you an extra 50% for that show. Marauders and bandits will think twice before they see you two as guards. The man walked over to help the two up. Brutus was panting and sweating profusely, but he had an, enor- an enormous smile on his face. 
He clapped Lanny on the back. She winced and realized even that first punch he was holding back. Yes, well done. <clears throat> that was a new move at the end. Not cool, Ree. I wasn't expecting that. I thought of it a while ago, but hadn't gotten to try it yet. I got lucky. If I had missed, I would have been paced. Well, we all know you have no fear. I'm not surprised you could try something so risky. Not surprised with hindsight. Yeah. Yeah? That scene was awesome. I think it was pretty cool. Lanny's a monster. A tiny little teenage monster. She's a dervish. Uh, yeah, as we've already learned, if someone just calls her a kind of mean name, she'll cut their face. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so She will cut a person. Obviously, she's capable of significantly more than that, yeah. and she is very good at keeping it in check. I mean... Thankfully, they're... Brutus did not call her a kind of mean name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a character flaw, right? She's got a short temper. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad this isn't videos. You see the look I'm getting right now. I'm not really sure what that's about. I can relate. <laughs> I understand her. No, I love that scene. I love the display of like power and them, you know, bargaining to get more of what they thought that they were worth, which is amazing. And more and more people should do that. I think. An extra fifty percent is not a small amount. Yeah, because then she asked for twenty. And yeah. then he was like, all right, I'll give you 50, because that was pretty awesome, yeah. basically. Right. Yeah. So I think really importantly, to if you want to take a lesson home, is if you are going in um, from the position of an employee and you want to negotiate a higher salary, bring a minotaur and fight him and in win. front of your boss uh-huh. and win. Yep. Yeah, that's the key. Win. Um, yep. And you could you know, do considerably well. Yeah. Yeah. Now the key. Or were, was they just super lowballing them in the beginning? And 50% extra is like, oh, well, you're making, you know. I mean, Lanny has no idea how much the money out there is worth. Uh, Brutus probably true. doesn't either. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I like to think that Dast is a fair enough person that he would give them something reasonable for He's, their services. He sounds like a reasonable person. <laughs> but then again, also on a whim, he'll also increase people's income by 50%. So it doesn't seem like he's a reasonable person. It yeah. seems like maybe he's unreasonable. He's he might jovial. be he might be a little impetuous, but reasonably impetuous. I don't like <laughs> peaches at all. Do they have peaches in this universe? Millions of peaches. Oh, peaches for me? No. Oh, but they're you're free. not in that universe. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Those peaches are free. Yeah, they are. Maybe at some point they'll find some peaches. That'd be great. Is that going to happen? All right. Those are the top two things now. What happened to Jork's orc spine? And, uh, where, are the, spine. where are the peaches? Where the are the peaches? That? And what about the bodes? Well, we, well, we will get there. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to take longer than just an episode outro to talk about. That's a, it's a deep, painful topic for some of us. Yeah. How did, well, That's probably how they get the peaches. They don't have boats. So <laughs> you should see the look on his face or something just they can't get the peaches shipped in. It's one and the same. There's oh. probably other places that have both abodes and peaches to transport. You think maybe peaches don't grow on this particular continent? Right. <laughs> so they they ha- they gotta they gotta get them in by abode. But, but there's there no boats in no the dregs. Correct. Yeah. So obviously, there's other places <laughs> oh, that have both bodes and peaches. Ooh, that's Imagine interesting. Living well, in a we, place with no bodes and no peaches. 
devastating. Like, right, just like one of those sand, sand makes story. me, you know, feel like I'm living in the dregs, but I can have both. <laughs> why even bother fear-mongering? Why, why bother having the mongers when you've oppressed your people without boats mm-hmm. and peaches? Yeah. Peaches and boats. I, I don't know about listeners here, but I'm pretty lost at this point. Oh, yeah, me too. Because yeah. we didn't have a boat to bring us to where we were going to go. Um, so before we move on to next topic, I wanted to ask you, Dan, about the construction of the caravan that Lanny and Brutus are helping to... to the construction guard. of. Like... You know, you have some description of it in the chapter. Where did you get that inspiration? Like, it's not just your typical, like, Oregon Trail, die of dysentery, covered wagon deal. Well, that's kind of the what is the influence for it. To definitely Oregon Trail. Well, which um, also didn't have boats. No. Because right. you had to fjord. You afford those rivers you and you just the river. died. Um, I never played Oregon Trail. I never had. What? Yep. And you're, a, you're an educator? I know. That's weird. Um, But no, it's definitely influenced by that idea of like the pioneers traveling across the country um, and caravans for safety numbers and all that. Um, Also, partly inspired by, I mentioned before, I wanted to to make the story similar to like an RP, like a JRPG where you collect your party throughout the, or at least the first part of the adventure, then you add people on. But also the idea in, um, like D&D games where often your party has to escort an air, a caravan right. to go from one place to another to kind of give you something to do while you're going from A to B mm-hmm. and to give them a reason to care about what they're doing. So it was kind of influenced by those That's types of things. That's actually why they call it a caravan. Because yeah, they care. care about right. But as for the pride and joy, I just wanted to make it something different in that case. Um, the other ones are more like covered wagons. I said they have rubber wheels, though, instead of big spoked wooden wheels, because mm-hmm. it is some of it's kind of futuristic. Uh, but the Pride and Joy has those float stones that yeah. allow it to just kind of hover over the ground, which I think is pretty cool. I have a physics question for you. Oh no, that was um, I had a rough time in physics. Oh, he swore a lot during physics. Oh, physics homework, yelling at the computer. Whew. If you were to go under. Something that is elevated by float stones. Yeah. Will the pressure crush you? I don't see it as like anti gravity engines or like magnetic. It's, I mean, it's magic. Like Cass says it's not magic, but she she doesn't really know. Like it's magic. Okay. So, like, so there isn't like a so force pushing down it. from the bottom of the thing to keep it aloft. It's just floating. Would it be like hanging out like behind a microwave? Like, it's not really doing anything to you, but, like, <laughs> long-term, if you were a stowaway under a floatstone caravan, you would get, like, extra pinkies on your chin or something. I would... <laughs> no, I would... Actually, that's... I like that question, because I think that that idea that if you do it long enough term, it could, I'm sure it would increase your chance of uh, ogroidism. Mm. Oh, specifically ogroidism. Okay. Oh. I could see that. I could. I could also see that. Ogroidism 19. Hey, you said it correctly that time. That took a lot of effort. <laughs> that, was, that was quite the pause there. <laughs> I do like how, you know, we've left the city and we're in the... The wilds. The wilds, and there's still a little bit of tech. It's not all totally, like, yes. night and day. Right. Yeah, the little kind of remnants of it, but for the most part, in the wilds, like, 
Um, we'll see as we go on how low tech it is. Uh, but there's still vestiges of it here and there, like the float stones, rubber wheels, things like that. Yeah. Here and there. Uh, will their data slates and things like that still have information connection? Or will they be I w- service? imagine that Brutus wouldn't have brought anything like that. Because in case somebody just used their, like, find my digislate oh, yeah. app. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to get pinged. So I imagine that he left anything like that behind. That and just, he knew, he would have known that out in the wilds would have been lower tech and that really would have stood out and been, like, something that they probably would have gotten, like, mot- rub. I'm trying to say robbed and mucked at the same time and it kept coming out oh. rugged. Yeah, <laughs> rod. Something they could have gotten. Something they could have easily been mugged for, and he didn't want to have to deal with that. Fair. And it was something that he figured wouldn't work out there after a while anyway. Once it loses its charge, there's nowhere to plug it in in the woods. So they don't have solar magic or magic. I mean, that wasn't something he would know. He was able to find out about for sure or not. So I imagine he didn't bring any of that stuff. Well, why did? Um, Lenore pay for Brutus to get a engineering degree if he doesn't know how to create solar cells. <laughs> what? Where to charge their? When did he get an engineering degree? Listen, I don't know if you read the fan fiction for. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for this series, but uh, there's a lot. So and if you could, you know, just kind of read it all and then tell us what's canon and what's not, because. You know what I mean? I mean, right. canon is this podcast. That's the only thing that's canon. Gotcha. And the blog. Yeah, and the blog. Right. I'm not trying to think if there's anything. There's a few extra things in the blog, but yeah. That's um, it. You check out um, dancoleauthor.com. The blog comes out every other Thursday opposite the podcast. Um, and you can get more information there. Um while we're kind of talking about that stuff we'll talk uh, other places you can follow us um, Big Fiction Energy um, obviously you're listening to it now but we're also on YouTube now as a possible source of entertainment um, and that would be youtube.com slash Big Fiction Energy oh. is the channel oh man that's super oh. easy to remember yeah um, I take a supplement that's also named that <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier if I don't have to remember two things right you know yep. <laughs> um, also Facebook you do facebook.com slash Dan Cole author and then Twitter you can follow me at IceDan underscore HDH um, I think I'm also on Instagram I think I got like one post at this point you are on that's Instagram that's something that I'm, yeah. I'm working on yeah. figuring out how to use Instagram as an author um which is just I think it's just Dan Cole I'll have to double check that one yeah um we have like Danny said before before we go on the next topic I do want to do one little shout out um thanks to Sirenscape um a program app I use for the sound effects and magic and <laughs> magic <laughs> I got distracted the dog is trying to lick Tim and it's just funny <laughs> the face he's making like pay attention to me Rocco is a very needy <laughs> old man um for the sound effects and music was the word I was looking for I don't know why I said magic <laughs> <laughs> we also wanted to send a quick shout out to doctors 
uh, Foster and Smith, America's foremost authority on pet care. Uh, you can check out them online at DrsFosterSmith.com. And they are known for their quality pet products. They are known. Uh, some might say they're America's foremost uh, authority on pet care. Not third most. Nope. Foremost. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Oh, Appreciate man. that. Shall we wrap this up? I don't know. We don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, friends. Thanks for coming to hang out. Yeah, uh, come back in two weeks. Next, uh, you know, every other Thursday, we'll be here. Check us out, uh, whatever your favorite um, mode of podcasting is. Yeah, however you want us to get in your ears. Just Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. YouTube. 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 Used Q-tips. Even. Uh, outside, out of the window. iHeartRadio. So yeah. that you can get the real insights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and don't forget, you know, if you do listen, obviously you do, and you like it, rate, review, subscribe. Tell yes, your friends, please. Tell your mom. Word of mouth is a big deal for things like this. Yeah. Let everybody know. Just, you know, shove that URL down their throat and say, hey, listen to this. Yeah, don't take no for an answer. <laughs> All right, so rock on Chicago, rock on London. I had a slogan in my head and then I lost it. LaCroix, it's a joy. Hey. <laughs>